Hello, this is your host, Michelle, and welcome to today's episode of the Happy Pelvis Podcast, a podcast all about bridging the gaps in pelvic health care and bringing awareness to the hurdles individuals face as a result of living with persistent pelvic pain. To keep up to date with what's coming up, be sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Happy Pelvis. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Hi, everybody. I am here today with Dr. Ashley Girard. Ashley is a board-certified naturopathic doctor with the College of Naturopaths of Ontario and a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. Ashley bridges the gap between the biomedical and holistic sides of medicine by emphasizing accurate diagnosis, appropriate testing, communication with other practitioners, and utilizing natural therapies that are safe and effective for her patients. After overcoming her own decade-long struggle with recurrent urinary tract infections, painful periods, and interstitial cystitis, also known as bladder pain syndrome, Dr. Gerard has developed a clinical focus on treating bladder conditions and chronic pelvic pain. In addition to her clinic, Dr. Gerard shares helpful tips and new research on her blog um, called Holistic Bladder Care, and you can also find Dr. Gerard on Instagram. Today, Ashley and I will be discussing hip wrecks in regards to chronic urinary tract infections. This is something I have not heard much about here in Canada, um, but this is exciting news for many who live with chronic urinary tract infections um, who may have not have heard of this. So on that note, Dr. Gerard, you can take the floor. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you for having me to speak about hip wrecks and about my practice. Um, I, I've been working with the KWICS, uh, which was before the happy pelvis. Right. And yeah. so I've been around, I think a number of, of people that follow, uh, you may, may already know my name, but I, my practice is holistic bladder care. Um, and my website is bladdercare.ca. Not much there. I'm pretty, you know, bare bones, but it, it's got the important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I specialize in this area because it's very underserved and there's a lot of benefit that comes with using alternative therapies for many of these conditions. I think uh, some of the research shows that people with pelvic conditions over 50% are using alternative therapies. So there's a, there's a lot of things out there that can help patients. And that's essentially what I specialize in. I, I came to this field because I like many had similar complaints of recurrent urinary tract infections and then got a really bad one and no cultures were coming back positive and then I was told I had IC and oh fun fun Mm -hmm. fun time back in 2013 very common for many of us (laughs) yeah yeah and the only the only uh thing that I can look back on and say I was lucky at the time was I was in school for becoming a naturopath. I was in my second year and that, that meant I had lots of resources and I was able to pick many brains. And despite being in chronic pain, I I mean, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to continue, but I, I started implementing lots of things and made lots of changes. And then I slowly got better and I, I came out of it and am no longer in chronic pain. So I'm I feel very lucky and grateful. I like to say I'm in remission, 
um, because there's still some bumps along the road, right? Uh, having children shakes up your whole pelvis and your hormones. So some little bumps there too, but uh, overall things are really, you know, really well managed for my particular case. And, and when I started practicing uh, out of school in 2015, I did mostly general practice for many years. And it's, it's been in the last couple of years that this has become my entire practice focus. And I love it. Like it's, it's so many women are struggling with these problems and not getting help. And it's, it's wonderful to bring this information and educate and help women find, figure out what's going wrong with them in their particular bodies. Cause it is so complicated. And that's why the conventional stream isn't as good um, at figuring this out, this chronic condition, because it's too many little, it's too many different areas, infection, hormones, like how our stress plays into it, lifestyle factors, dietary life factors, immune system. There's just a lot that comes together to predispose genetics um, to, that predispose women to these conditions. So it's kind of looking at all those different things and, and figuring out what the right treatment plan is for a particular patient. So I don't have protocol. Everybody pretty much gets a different approach and it just takes that really careful, um, careful history taking to, to figure out what's going on and asking the right questions, you know, vaginal infections and intercourse triggers and oh, just, it goes on. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my practice. And, um, I primarily do all virtual. So I see people all over the place and that works very, very well. And in Ontario, I'm able to do all the regular lab work that I need to do. I do the fancy functional medicine tests and I prescribe hormones um, yeah, I can't do antibiotics, but that may change eventually for some for in the future for naturopaths. Okay. So, and then lots of herbs and things like that. So, well, yeah, thank you so much for dedicating your career to helping people. And the fact that you're, you know, firsthand the pain and where your patients are at, um, I think that's a huge huge win for a patient to know that your practitioner um, has been in your shoes at some point. And the fact that you have overcome it, even though despite you, you say you have bumps, everybody has ups and downs. Um, but the fact that you're, you've gotten over that um, provides a lot of people with hope. So yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah, no problem. And I, I liked one of your posts. It was that uh, path to healing and it was a little graph and it's like, whoop, do a circle here, back down here and up here. And, you know, it's just not linear. So, and, and it's important to, to always stay hopeful and always continue to work towards getting, getting better. Um, and uh, with the happy pelvis, right. A lot of patients also have endo and that's another, that is another condition that predisposes patients to bladder problems. I think I, I read recently 40%, 40% of endo patients potentially have, um, that have, uh, deposits on their bladder or bladder symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, again, another one that is another complicating factor to these, to what's going on in the pelvis of many, many patients. And um, trying to find that root cause, because like yeah. you said, every patient is different and like, and every single treatment or plan that you put in place will be different. Exactly. Right. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about hip rex. So 
Uh, methanamine hipparate is the chemical name, but most people are just using that short form, the hiprex. And it's a really, really neat dr drug, essentially. So it's very unique um, and has a very good safety profile, uh, right? Antibiotics, they're great too, but they have, they have a larger uh, issue with adverse effects, unfortunately. So hiprex is not an antibiotic. Um, okay. It's, it's considered a urinary antiseptic. And what that means is it prevents the growth of bacteria in the urinary tract when it's active. So this drug has been around, I think I read hundred years. It's been around for a very long time. Oh. It fell out of favor because antibiotics showed up on the scene and that seemed oh. to work a little better or, or a lot better. So, and keeping in mind back then, recurrent urinary tract infections were not as prevalent as they are now. You're, there, we actually do know that it's becoming a bigger problem. Women who get one UTI are 40% more likely to develop another and another and another. So 40%. Wow. Yeah. So, so, and it, it didn't used to be like that. It, there were lots of women that would just get one offs. They would take their antibiotics and that was it. It eradicated it. But these bacteria are becoming smarter and more difficult to treat as time goes on because of antimicrobial resistance, right? So antibiotics are great, but they, they are starting to not be as effective for a lot of patients. So now we're starting to look to old drugs and new drugs, right? Development of new drugs always takes time. So sometimes it's faster to look backwards and see what used to work. So this, this is what's happened with Hiprex. So Hiprex in many countries around the world is over the counter. You do not need a prescription for it. Um, I believe in, I think it's Greece or Turkey. If you get a prescription for it, it makes it a lot cheaper. So, you know, that's always helpful for those patients. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's how patients here are getting it, is they're ordering it from these countries where it's sold over the counter and having it shipped here. And one of the reasons they're doing this is because their antibiotics aren't working as well. And it's being more and more recognized by specialists in this field that Hiprex is potentially a good adjuvant to therapy. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that it can be used uh, in terms of the, the patient type. But one of the most ideal candidates is a patient who knows they have a specific trigger, intercourse probably being the one of the most common, and then using it, uh, you use it continuously every day. And it works almost as well as an antibiotic used prophylactically. So we actually just had a, a, new, uh, a new study that came out in just a few months ago. And it, again, demonstrated, it's not the first one. There's been another one before this in 2019. But it does show that it's uh, just slightly less effective, not statistically significant, but a little bit less effective than uh, compared to a prophylactic antibiotic, but almost as good. So a lot of patients would be able to see the difference. I think it was, it decreases the number of infections per year. Um, with a prophylactic antibiotic, it, it's about, I think, 0.9 infections if you're taking that continuously. And with Hiprex, it's 1.3. So again, like, you know, that's not really, a lot of patients are going to see, notice that difference. Um, and it has a better safety profile and there's less chance of building antimicrobial resistance or you can't, you, you can't actually, the bacteria can't become resistant to Hiprex, which is very useful. Yeah. Why because it's is not an that? Because it's not an antibiotic. 
it's not an antibiotic. And the way that it works is, is, is very different. And, and bacteria can't form a resistance to the compound that it activates into in the bladder. So, you know, what is Hyprex, right? What's it doing? Um, so it converts in an acidic environment to its active form, which is essentially formaldehyde and other weak acids. So formaldehyde, as most people know it, it's been used as a cleaning agent, as a disinfectant. Um, so it sounds kind of scary, right? But the bladder is very, is used to holding toxic waste. So that is one of the benefits of putting it in the bladder is the bladder can actually resist that type of uh, chemical in the bladder. Not that it's my favorite. I like it better than antibiotics, but it's, uh, it's all about patients reaching a point where they're feeling better, right? And they're having less infections because these infections really do, for, for many women, can significantly decrease their quality of life. There's so many behavioral changes that women are making that may not be necessary. There's uh, a lot of fear, anxiety, uh, trigger avoidance, and dietary changes that are maybe completely unnecessary. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that patients should consider if they're afraid of an antibiotic, especially because they're worried about, again, the antimicrobial resistance or the fact that, you know, they could have a side effect or it could, that antibiotic could trigger a yeast infection or another type of infection. Um, then this might be kind of that in between that gray zone that mm -hmm. might be more desirable for some patients. It's, it's not natural, of course, but it is something that maybe to try before going on a prophylactic antibiotic. And unfortunately, a lot of urologists here don't know about it. They're one of, um, one of the, uh, Dr. Nichol, um, Nichols, uh, who now retired, but he's an advocate for using it. Uh, it's just okay. a matter of the fact that it's not approved here in Canada. So it's in a gray zone, right? We don't and have, yeah. So that was my, my next, my next question is, if a Canadian were to seek out, uh, what is the best route to get it going to see their naturopath and their naturopath guiding them to the best uh, supplier or the best country in order to get it? How do they uh, go about doing so here in Canada? Well, I would say probably most naturopaths don't know about this particular medication either. Um, so it's not necessarily a conversation that they can have with most other naturopaths. Um, their urologist might know about it and okay. it's, it, a lot of this is self-directed decision-making that patients are doing on their own, right? To try and help yeah. themselves. It's, it's wonderful when we have things approved here in Canada, but Canada can be slow at adopting medications. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Hiprex is even on Health Canada's radar, uh, but Euroimmune is, and we're all have our fingers crossed for the urinary vaccine coming out, hopefully soon. I read about that. Um, yes. Yes. Very yeah. exciting news. Yeah. So um, this is this, if, you, if they can find a urologist that's knowledgeable about it and, and can direct them, that's great. Um, patients can find lots of information about how to get it online and make that decision. But there's also other things that patients should consider before using it. So like I said, the ideal patient is that patient that has that trigger, gets an acute U UTI, and then doesn't have any symptoms until their next one. Um, and so those are those are the really ideal patient for it. But then there's also patients that have a catheter, and catheter patients can really benefit from using it. They use it at a little bit higher of a dose. 
and but you also need to have acidic urine so mm-hmm. part of how it tur- how it activates is when it goes into the bladder it will be inert until the ph in the bladder is below six essentially 5.7 if we're going to get really specific but i i usually tell patients they've got to get urine ph strips and they want to at least see their ph six or lower uh, when they're in the hours after they're taking it for it to be effective. Otherwise, unfortunately, they may just be peeing it out, right? Okay. And it will be inert. Um, so first morning urine is usually pretty acidic. So patients that sleep through the night, this they could take it right before bed, for example, and then it's active in their bladder while they sleep and and they have acidic urine through the night. Other patients right after they wake up, they take it and that way they take it during a more acidic like usually urine is more acidic towards the morning or overnight and then it becomes more alkaline through the day some patients are acidic all the time they can take it whenever the heck they want some patients are never acidic so it's not a good we're all so different we're all snowflakes (laughs) yes yes we are um so so that's another thing to to check into if you're serious about considering using it then you would you would check your urine ph for a little bit with strips, uh, you know, throughout the day and trying to figure out, you know, when could you take it? Are you a good candidate to take it? Um, vitamin C is sometimes taken with it to acidify the urine. I've seen mixed results in patients with that. Um, sometimes that seems to work and sometimes it doesn't. And then there's okay. other things that patients try to take to acidify the urine. And again, I've seen mixed results with that. So, so that's, uh, if, if you really want to try it, you can try those extra supplements with it and see if, if that improves things. Um, the other part of this is that it can trigger some digestive upset because the, the stomach is acidic. So it does partly activate in the stomach, uh, but then when it moves out of the stomach, it goes into the small intestines where the pH goes up and it, it deactivates and then it absorbs into our bloodstream and circulates until it gets to the, to the bladder through the kidneys. So the, in the stomach, it activates and sometimes tr- triggers some digestive upset or some reflux in patients. And, and if that happens, then all you do is you buy clear vegetarian capsules and you encapsulate it. So that way it doesn't dissolve in the stomach and it passes through and gets to the, it doesn't start breaking down until it's in the small intestines. So there's that. Um, patients who are taking a sulfa drug or, or Bactrim, Septra, they shouldn't be using Hiprex alongside that. So one of the things with taking Hiprex is, of course, it, it helps to reduce, but it doesn't entirely always prevent every infection. So sometimes patients do still need a course of antibiotics while they're taking Hiprex. And in those events, you just, you would want to make sure you're not taking uh, the Bactrim or or Septra class of drugs for, which is the most common is one of the best UTI drugs, right? So it's important to, to mention that. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's, I think, most of the information about Hiprex. What do you do? You have any specific questions about it? Um, it's interesting that uh, when you talk about Hiprex and other supplements and other things that can help, you talk about how finding a lot of these things online and or on forums or other communities that have been experiencing the same thing. Um, and I just it really resonates with me because um, on my journey. Um, when I was looking for help with my UTIs, I stumbled upon D-Manos being a, a positive uh, thing, which I still use to this day. And I also wanted to ask you about um, a supplement, which sounds similar in a sense that it's an antiseptic, 
um, and it's something I currently use as a prophylactic, is Uva Ursi. And is that sort of similar to Hiprex where it's an antiseptic? Um, and if people are taking Uva Ursi, should they not be taking it with Hiprex at the same time? Ooh, okay. So DMANOS is great. No, that's okay. Um, DMANOS, I think of that as like an anti-adherent. It helps to prevent the, specifically E. coli, from sticking to the to the walls, the urolithelium, and then triggering an infection. Um, so that's kind of separate. Uva Ursi, um, it is a urinary antiseptic, but I also consider it an antimicrobial, more like an antibiotic um, for the urinary tract. And and UVRC really shouldn't be used continuously, shouldn't be used continuously. Um, it can be hard on the liver. So that's a, that's a problem, right? UVRC is, is more for somebody who has an acute infection and then you, you keep them on it for a week is, you know, safe for most patients. If you're going to do it longer, you should probably be under the care of somebody. I sometimes use it up to a month and then patients should switch to a, a different prophylactic. And the problem with UVRC and Hiprex is they're, they're kind of opposites because UVRC works really well in alkaline urine. It actually doesn't really convert to the active ingredient until it's in alkaline urine above a pH of seven. So that's actually a, sometimes an approach that patients will take is that when their urine is acidic, they'll take Hiprex. And when their urine is alkaline, they'll take UVRC if they're battling, if they're really trying to get an infection level down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so they're, that's, that's, um, UVRC is probably one of my favorite urinary drugs, or sorry, herbs uh, for, for infections because it does work so well, but it is, it needs to be used carefully. That's all. Exactly. That, that's why I wanted to bring it up because that is a common drug many um, bladder pain uh, patients use very frequently and uh, we are told that it does have an effect on the liver for long-term use. So I wanted to see. So in regards to um, side effects and like you were talking about the least amount of side effects. So Hiprex would probably be the better route to go as a prophylactic than Uva-Ursi, correct? Um, no, for me, I personally, it's, it's the anti-adherence first. So cranberry D mannose safest by far, none safest. And then herbs, um, could be used. I wouldn't use UVRC, UVRC for prophylactic use. That would be for okay. acute. Um, I would use potentially other herbs for prophylactic use that have, uh, that can be used for a longer period of time. And then I would consider hip Rex. Um, okay. That's called the therapeutic order. That's how naturopaths are trained is we follow the, the, the changes of that are going to have the least amount of side effects. So diet and lifestyle is your first area to change. And then we try, you know, we try her like herbs and nutraceuticals, and then we go to drugs and then, you know, more significant, higher drugs and then surgical interventions. So, okay. and also physical, you know, there could be physical abnormalities in there that maybe a physio, like a pelvic floor therapist or a um, chiro or an osteo might be able to help with. So that's, again, it all depends on the patient. Okay. Wonderful. Um, just trying to think of a few more questions off the top of my head before I let you go. Why not? Um, I'll, uh, I've got a list of a bit of information here. Let me just uh, see. The one thing that if, so 
patients who are IC patients and also get acute UTIs on top of that, this they are still potentially a candidate to use Hiprex, but they just so they know, they may get worse before they get better um, because Hiprex works on an acidic bladder and acidic urine often triggers uh, IC patients, then it sometimes there is a period where when they start Hiprex, they actually feel worse for a couple of weeks, and, but then they start to get better because uh, unfortunately, a lot of IC patients are chronic UTI patients and they have flare-ups of their bacterial load, but it, it really is bacteria that's causing their IC, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. So that, again, figuring that out takes... Uh, some help with a practitioner, but um, that is something to consider also for IC patients. And we can use it in, in children aged six and up, but we use it at a much lower dose, safe in, in breastfeeding as well, not in pregnancy though. Mm -hmm. And um, what else to let you know about with it? You can take it, so patients who are tr who are on a prophylactic antibiotic and they're trying to get off of it. Um, there has been some success with overlapping them for a few months. So you continue on your prophylactic antibiotic, you add the Hiprex, you, you probably won't notice much of a difference, right? Because everything is probably pretty well managed. And then after a few months, you, you peel away the antibiotic and then you see if Hiprex alone is enough to maintain your, the, the health of your urinary tract. And the benefit of doing this again is potentially taking away the antibiotic that your bacteria could develop resistance for, right? And then that saves that antibiotic for future use, um, as well as decreases that risk of an adverse effect eventually developing because of that, right? Macrobid is the classic one that's used prophylactically for long periods of time. And it does, it can, those crystals that go into the urinary tract that cleanse the urinary tract can also unfortunately deposit in the lungs. And so long-term use, especially in elderly, can unfortunately, uh, patients can develop crystals in their lungs. And one of the telltale signs is they'll start to develop a dry cough. And that's then immediately, that means that those patients should come off of that medication anyways. Uh, I have not heard of that. That is the first time I've heard of that side effect from Macrobid. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Macro yeah, and macrobit is very safe. Um, you know, I'm I'm not really too worried about it, but it, it does happen. And although it's not supposed to be very common, I have heard of it happening in young women as well. So it's it's again, we're all snowflakes, and some of us don't have, you know, genetic differences are going to make us handle drugs differently than other people. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, yeah. So starting with something that has very little side effects is is sometimes the route to go. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this information today. It's really great for, for sufferers from chronic UTI, IC, bladder pain syndrome patients to know that there's other options out there and that aha moment of knowing that there is something else you can try, that it's not the end of the line and you're not mm. going to give up. Um, that oh, is... Yeah huge for somebody living with chronic bladder pain. So um, this is incredibly helpful. Um, how can um, our listeners uh, reach out to you if they're looking for um, a naturopath to help with their bladder pain? Um, sorry, reach out to me to find yes, a naturopath in their area? 
uh, uh, directly to you personally. Um, oh, okay. Is there any contact information you can you yeah. can supply? It's on my website. Um, it I I run a very small practice. It's just me. There's no receptionist. I am the reception. Um, <laughs> so it my email is there. It's dr.ashley. or at Gerard, nd. .ca. So best to go to my website and look at my contact information and then I'm just shoot me an email and if you're looking for someone locally I can try to see if let you know if there's somebody locally. Um, I don't know if your if your audience is very Ontario based or if it's all over the place, but um, there are a couple other practitioners out out there that are like me so but we are kind of far and few between. Um, yeah, Great. so that just go to my my website and bladdercare.ca and my, my contact information is there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ashley, for your time. It was wonderful to learn all about this today. I'm actually yeah, going to no look problem. a little bit more into this for myself. Yeah, that's the thing, right? When there's, there's always more. And that's the one thing I tell patients is whether, you know, whether it's me or it's another, you know, you have to keep on going on your journey because, you know, we don't get much movement in your case. There is always so much more out there. Um, there are lots of, there are lots of practitioners globally that are specializing in this and it, it just might take a very specific practitioner that helps to figure out the reasoning behind why you have chronic pelvic pain, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, never give up. There's just, there's so many options and there's so many people out there that have had experience, even practitioners now and are, are doing this. I mean, Ruth Kritz, a lot of people know her name. She, she had IC too. Uh, there's another naturopath I know about, um, Dr. Berman. She apparently had urinary issues too. There's me, you know, like there's just enough of us women out there that are getting it, that there, there are lots of practitioners that are coming to this field and, and dedicating themselves to it because we, we know in, in urology, it's, it's a lot of men. It's a, it's a lot about men and their conditions and a lot less about women and our conditions, even though we're half the population. Um, so yeah, so just keep keep learning and keep searching and keep um, keep finding people that are going to help you get better. Thank you so much, Ashley. Those are wonderful final words. Great inspiration. You're welcome. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.